tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Legend of Korra After Show. Just let the, I'm just going to let this play out for a little bit. You're, you guys are all just like just listen, just listen and deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. With me today, Mr. Tory J. Miller. Yo. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. My name is John Quick, and what an episode that we have. Operation Bay Fog, and doesn't it ever deliver on the Bay Fongness? Dang tootin'. <laughs> it what, was a little what, contradictory. What, what was that? Dang tootin'. Darn tootin'. Just like, you're just, just gonna talk, you know, we had we had a good, like, club scene going, and then you just had to throw just a little bit of Nashville. Do, to they, throw... do they not say well, that Well, it is a Nickelodeon show, yeah. so you gotta say darn or dang, you can't say the other thing. Yeah. I, I don't even think, I don't even think it's the D word, I think it's the tootin' that's afterwards, that's... Hey, maybe I'm channeling Milo, he's a tootin' fan. Tootin', tootin', tootin'. Anyway, so, <laughs> now that the mood is killed, thanks. You're welcome. That's what I do. <laughs> so, we open our episode with, um, sorry, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have Lynn, uh, Opal, Opal Polin. You know what, thank you. You're welcome. It's always a rough start on this for some odd reason. <laughs> it's like my brain and my mouth are just trying to spin up. But we have Lynn, Lynn Bolin, and Opal landing just outside Zalfu on Juicy. Juicy. You know, I was wondering at the end of last episode, it's like, that bison looks sick. Is that going to be a plot point? <laughs> As it turns out, no. She, uh, Opal's bison just has severe allergies. Uh, it's all gross. the time. <laughs> I would never touch that animal. But, like, she's all groping on its face and stuff. And it's apparently like the Avatar uh, pterodactyls, where once once it chooses you, you have to live with it forever. Yeah, so she says, like, was like you don't choose a bison, a bison chooses you. And then once it chooses you, you can't um, make that stop. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked. Yeah. So, well, so, Bo- which, of course, Bolin lands. Bolin's immediate thing is he's, he's, he's setting the stage. Because, you know, Bolin has always been kind of throughout the series, you know, the, the kind of the audience surrogate. He breaks the fourth wall in unintentional ways. Mm-hmm. But th- this is just like, this on this episode, they just had him on. That's like, that was his job the whole time. Right. And so he basically just comes in and, like, reminds everybody what is at stake, which is him and Opal's relationship. Yeah. And it was nice to have him uh, return to form because he's had to be super serious the last few episodes. But now you get goofball Bolin and you uh, you relive the old times. Um, but I, I'm I'm also glad that the stakes of Bolin's relationship were <laughs> super high, uh, weighted heavily over Kuvira's reign, and and, uh, and also the potential death of Opal's family. And that. 
And then Lynn just having none of it. <laughs> She's like, please shut up. You did not stop talking the entire way. Um, it felt like she was extra grouchy today. Um, and by today, I mean in this episode. So, yeah, I guess like just, you know, spending an extended period of time with Bolin on a bison as he's apparently nonstop talking. But, you know, so, but the, but these are minor things. I mean, there's just a major reveal. Like just within the first few episodes, they first few seconds, they do not um, mess around with this at all. Like, not nah, but a few minutes in, suddenly we see the fact that they have torn down the domes around Zaufu. That is huge. Yes. That's huge. Oh, also Toph shows up. But the domes <laughs> on Zaufu, man, can you believe that they would do something like that? Seriously, that's heinous. It's an affront to all of Zaufu's reign and things. But Toph, I mean, all of a sudden, old lady Toph is here. Yeah. Um, I will say that I was sad that, like, the the appearance that we were predicting didn't happen. I mean, we got a really great episode, but I would have liked it if our our next encounter with Toph was her wrecking stuff at the at the uh, tree. Yeah, that I was hoping for that, but you know, she she kind of does wrap it up at the end, like as to why exactly yeah. we weren't going to see that. But so again, so we have we have Lynn and Opal, and then Toph just materializing out of nowhere as I almost knocked my glass over. It's happened. To let to let Lynn and Opal know that they've in fact moved the other Bay Fongs out of the city towards some towards somewhere else, either a prison camp or some kind of work camp. Yeah. And I like I like just like that nice little like greeting between Lynn and Toph where uh Toph just shows up, gives the vital information, and then it's just Chief. 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 Yeah. Um that w- that was really cute. Also, like though, uh, Toph calling Lin Chief was. I felt like it was more of a dig because I mean, Toph never reigned under uh, under Lin, so it was just like, ha ha ha, you're 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 cute because you have a title now. Maybe a little bit. I thought it was, if not necessarily like a term of an a term of an endearment or a jab. I thought it was just like a a general acknowledgement. Okay, like. Like, like just, just maybe, just like acknowledging that she was in fact the chief, and mm-hmm. yeah, of course, I'm willing to bet Toph made sure everybody called her chief back right. in the day. But th- that all of these reactions, of course, Opal goes and hugs her grandmother, and her grandmother's happy. But none of this, pe- none of this comes even close to Bo Lin's over fanboy. <laughs> oh, just all the squealing was worth it. Just the shaking hands. He's like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> and Toph's like, does he have to pee or something? He's like, well, no. Well, maybe I do now, but yeah. Right. Um, and, like, I... Just having all these uh, Beifongs together, just, like, Lin and Toph, because Lin is, like, the grumpier version of Toph, but, like, Toph is so old now that she just doesn't care. She's actually kind of reverted back to who she was in the show. Like, she, she's just like, yep, responsibilities... Psh, out yeah. the window. Well, I mean, that's that's the attitude attitude you take when you're soaking your feet in the mud for two weeks. Yeah, and that's that's the attitude that Toph is like. I guess she really is. I don't think she ever really was happy being the chief of police in Republic City. I think she's back to being who she always wanted to be when she left her parents' home. Yeah, I mean, she's at heart a free spirit, um, and she felt like she had to at the time kind of bring order and do the police chief thing but like i mean she's always going to be someone who wants to like live amongst the land and never really uh be an authoritarian and so thanks to some just 
helpful insider information from Bolin. Um, they know exactly where they need to go, and they climb aboard uh, Opal's Sky Bison Juicy to you know, take off to the next plot development. Which, speaking of plot developments, we have a Death Star cannon. <laughs> I don't even know what, like... <laughs> I don't even know how else to describe the spirit ray gun, other than it, other than it, fi- other than it fires a, a mega beam and is modeled after a Nazi super weapon. So, you know, if at any point where you're just like, are they making references to Hitler with Kuvira? Yeah, no, this is <laughs> this. No, it's it's straightforward. Now yeah, this is bold faced. She has a literal Nazi super weapon. <laughs> um. Which is super badass. I know it's a, a it's supposed to be a bad thing, but uh, anyone who wields this thing is nuts. Yeah, but who like wouldn't you like you kind of want it? Wouldn't you want a massive death ray like this? This can not only is this cannon powerful, it just you know it looks just impressive. It does. Like um, I forget the name of the the cannon that you were showing me earlier. The Gustav today. cannon. The Gustav cannon. Um, but like. Yeah, it's like a mega tank. It's like something that you would see in science fiction, which I guess this could be considered like fantasy, sci sci fantasy. But um like it it if I were in a war, I would want it on my side. And they definitely have it, except for they have some problems getting it to work. So they, they try this in the, so Batar Jr. and Julie are trying to do an initial test of just it's basically powering it up. And it immediately goes wrong, and Julie is like, it's going to explode, we have to get everybody out of there, and Batar Jr. is just like, I will not let this monument to my love's psychosis <laughs> blow up. And they find, like, it was a, a cracked... Um, it was like a circuit disc or yeah. a transceiver disc. A transfer disc, I think is what it was. Yeah. And that... And so then we... Um, I mean, just... at that point, there's a little bit of suspicion and shade thrown um, because he, they had gone over the whole uh, they had gone over the whole weapon beforehand, and everything was fine up until that one little piece. And so they were hell bent on trying heck bent, whatever, um, on trying to fire it again. He wasn't going to let the uh, the giant ceremony of them unveiling this weapon to go awry. It's almost. Fully built and fu- fully functional and operational battle station. <laughs> you may oh, when ready. ready. So, uh, after seeing this, we get we come back to Lynn, Opal, and Bolin and Toph on the on the giant sky on the giant sky bison, which you know Lynn is being more than a little bit snarky at her mom. Mm-hmm. Which which we're going to get a lot more clearly coming up. But we see them break into the camp. They sneak into the ca- they sneak into the cannon room just you know I guess because it's just like hey biggest building let's go in here right and they immediately through Toph's seismic sense they sense a hidden chamber like well underneath the camp which they figure has to be where they're keeping the uh, where Su Yin and her family and of course they also you know get to see the big gun yeah the wow that's a thing. <laughs> And who should come in the door but Kuvira? Yep. If they, if ever there were an inopportune time for the main villain to walk in, it's now. Or opportune time, I guess. I guess if you were trying an assassination attempt, now would have been the good moment. I would imagine. But so, Kuvira was coming in to check in on the uh, 
the process, I guess, like the updates on the canon, and uh, Batar Jr. was telling her that it's just like, well, we've hit, you know, it's like it's going to be ready for tomorrow, but we've hit some, you know, setbacks. And then Kubira is like, you know, very pointedly looking at Julie. Is like, you've worked on this from the beginning. Is, you know, what do you think is the holdup? And Julie just, you know, looking askew. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say it's just like it's a big, complicated machine. There's bound to be bugs. And then Toph says, oh, she's lying. Like, yeah. you know, using her super ability to sense other people's when they're lying ability. What, whatever that is. That uh, was wordy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, she she's like the founder of the like uh, Earth Cincy lie detector thing, um, which was great to see come back. And also, it was like this. I, I I don't know if you had this reaction, but I had such a like squee moment when I was like, Julie might be good. Yeah, everyone's been saying like, it's like, oh, Ju- this has got to be a setup. There's no way that Julie is a bad guy. And I was thinking like, you know. Pro- she probably isn't, but you never know. Maybe maybe they were going to go bold and like ha- have her have this like you know big turn. But no, it's this is pretty much cemented. Julie is trying to sabotage this project, which is no doubt why she threw herself at the mercy of mercy of Kubira because right. she had to know that. Batar Junior, whether or not he's actually good at you know creating something, like he can't really come up with the ideas. But if you have the idea in front of him, he'll make it. Yeah. Though, like, from my perspective, I feel like, and I guess I'm going to pose this to you, in that if she would have never uh, joined up with and helped Batar, like, do you think that they would have actually gotten to the point where they had a functional canon? Um, I mean, I w- I'm going to make a weird uh, reference because this is a children's show, but it's like in, nope, I'm not going to make that reference. Um, okay. Yep, it was a Breaking Bad reference. Okay, yeah, then yeah. that's... I, I don't think many of the listeners or watchers of this show would no. get that, yeah. other than our very mature and uh, responsible people who comment on YouTube and on our iTunes account. Don't forget to five star. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Plug! Just... <laughs> <laughs> it was well done. Um, just because B- uh, Batar knew a little bit of how the canon works doesn't mean that he could have created a functioning canon. Well, I think he had all of Varric's research there, all of his notes, like, all of that was still like, they didn't, like, when they left they just left. They didn't take the time to to put the torch to anything. So... I mean, the, I guess that's true, but there's one thing to see a blueprint, and it's another thing to know how to build a house. I guess that's true, but then again Batar Jr. has been building exceptionally complex houses. Fair enough. So I guess that it's just an even chance that he could have done this maybe she did slow it down maybe you know maybe not who knows uh who knows on that and i think we'd like to assume that because of her um throwing up roadblocks that it was at least delayed an extra week or two right okay so which is which is something not a lot but it's i guess it's something yeah so, upon hearing that there's going to be a demonstration of the weapon the next day, and that Kubira wants to make sure that the entire camp is there to see it, Bolin points out that that would be the best time to sneak everybody out. That's when they would be least guarded. Mm-hmm. But to which Opal says, like, wow, that's a great idea. And then Bolin, Bolin says, yeah, my head kind of hurts now. <laughs> um, well, would... all that thinking, you know, it's got to put a toll on the brain. Like, I, I know it was a good joke, but I was also like, come on, just let him have this one. <laughs> he needs a victory. I mean, yeah, he's going to technically get, you know, a victory. But, like, you know, come on, let him have a thinking brain. Right. Victory. Just one one little one. 
Uh, no, he's, he's, they've got to ruin it every time. Yeah. But then, so, they're camping out for the night, eating their instant noodles. Mm-hmm. When, um, as we're getting, Lynn is definitely, there's been, there's obviously some resentment towards her mother that's just been going the entire time. Lynn is making snarky remarks over, you know, at Toph, you know, specifically when Bolin was bringing up how he tried to learn metal bending but couldn't, you know, pick up the knack and... Toph was saying that even dunderheads like you can learn it eventually. And then and Lynn just like, you know, goes like, yeah, I guess you were such a great teacher. And then you know, <laughs> Bo Lynn talking about how he's like, well, you know, I did learn how to lava bend. And Toph gives him a compliment. And then Lynn has another little snarky remark. Right. And so Toph is sort of trying to, trying to ignore it. But then we get the bomb upon all bombs with... Oddly enough, a straightforward question from Bolin, which is kind of weird. Like, this is like Bolin definitely being the audience surrogate at this point. He just, right. he just flat out asks, so who's Lin's dad? <laughs> Getting one of the best looks of death from yeah. Lin. She's burning holes through him with her eyes. Um, but, I mean, understandably, it feels like this giant secret for some reason. Yeah, but uh, but apparently it's not really, like, a secret secret. It's just, it's boring. It's some dude named Kanto. Right. Um, which I feel like is both uh, great of the writers to do, but at the same time super unsatisfying for anyone who had, like, large grand theories about who it was. Yeah, like the major fandom. Like, they're all like, it's like, ooh, it's got to be Sokka, or ooh, it's got to be, like... Um, this, the new character they introduced in the latest comics. Like, yeah. you know, like that's, that's gotta be who, like, that's gotta be who Lin's dad is. And it's like, nope, some <laughs> dude named Kanto. Yep. But then, like, it, it was pointed out by one reviewer that if there was ever going to be an Avatar character who would go, like, well off the rails and just do her own thing that would just be involved none of the other characters, it really would be, you know, it really would be tough. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, Sokka is going to probably get married to Suki or somebody that, you know, whoever he, if he even did end up with anybody, we don't know that for certain. We know right. he didn't have kids. Yeah. You know, then, you know, that 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 makes sense. Of course, Katara ended up with Aang. Zuko most likely ended up with Mai. But, yeah, no, Toph, Toph would totally, like, Toph just started her own metal bending school. Right. You I know? mean, and yeah, and she was, she was well below the age of the others. So, like, ending up with most of the people that they've met would seem... Super weird. Well, I mean, if she ended up with Aang, though, because they were around the same age, they were both... A little... I think he was a little older than her, though. He's, well, technically, he was a hundred years older than her. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, like, he he was, like, 12-ish, and I thought she was also 12-ish. Okay. Or, like, a l- maybe 10 or 11. I don't know the... I don't know her exact age. Uh, viewers, Wikipedia. In, yeah. Please. Tell us in the comments, uh, and we will eat that crow. Yes. But so it's really at this point that Lynn just goes at Toph about her, uh, like, what she said, like, kind of says her obliviousness is because it's the same problem that Toph has really had her entire life. Toph is so, like, I'm going to do my own thing and you can do your own thing and that's cool. But then she forgets that her her actions in her life will actually affect other people. Yeah. And in this case, her daughter and Lynn is just having none of it. She was, she just says like, you know, I it's like I had thought after I had patched up things with Sue that you know maybe I can reach out and patch things up with you, but I, I can see that you're just you're the same person that you that you were, and you just irritate me. Was once 
this is all through, we're we're finished. Yeah. And you know, Toph, you know, you know, man, tries to shrug it off. It's like if that's the way you feel, then I, then you know, that's your right. But you can tell that she's hurt by what was said. Yeah, I mean, and I think she, at that point she's still processing, like just the amount of emotion that came at her. But I'm glad that this this confrontation happened. I mean, Lynn is definitely one to kind of store away all her emotions yeah. and just kind of let it out once it is to the boiling point. Which the last time this happened, it ended up with a massive fight. So <laughs> yeah, at least that didn't occur this time around. Or she, damn she, it, it didn't occur this time <laughs> around. Now that I'm thinking about it, well, she'd get the, fl- the like she'd be mop. Nope, I don't know what my my phrasing was going to be, but she would uh, get mopped on the floor. Nope, I can't do it. Destroyed. She would get destroyed. She would get destroyed. Oh. Toph would mop the floor with her. Yes, those good. are the words that I was looking for. Thank you, and thank you. Awesome, sarcastic applause. <laughs> what we're going for. So, the next day comes, and now it's time to roll out the big cannon. To which they do. They have Julie do the thing, mm-hmm. but it, something immediately messes. Something immediately messes up. Batar Junior opens it up, and there's some very vital piece of machinery that's just mysteriously missing. Yeah. Which, he, as he said, that he screwed in him himself, and it's at that point that Kuvira, who has been noticed ever since that she found out that there's been delays, has been suspicious of Julie, mm-hmm. manages, basically metal bends the, some kind of regulatory pin that apparently yeah. Julie had, you know, hidden on herself, which some people have, I've been seeing some things online. People are just like, well, why would she just like have it on her? <laughs> the only thing that I could think of is like that was like a last ditch. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming because Batar said that he was working on it like that day, and yeah. everyone he made sure that everything was uh, together. So I mean, she probably at the very last second, maybe right before everyone gathered, grabbed it out and had no time to store it. Though I would have just thrown it in the sand. <laughs> it would have been the most easiest thing to do in the world. Unless there was, like, some people around that would be like, hey, what do you, what? <laughs> we don't need that. that. See you later. <laughs> it's, but um, Kuvira reacts with, you know, suitably evil villain, you know, response of, go ahead and tie her up in the town, we're going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thought that was the the best thing ever. I know that we're not supposed to root for Kuvira, but that was hardcore. That was badass. Let's yeah. just say it. Like yeah. that like that's if you're going to be an evil mastermind and execute someone, why not? Yeah. Oh man. Though it turned out to be her undoing. So that's funny. Yeah. But it's it's really so while this is going on, the our crew of Lintoff and Opal sneak into uh, the hidden chamber, which is we see the other Beifongs are suspended in a wooden cage. So of course they can't utilize any of their, their mm. can't, any of their earth bending or their or their metal bending. Right. I mean, yeah, they like you know they are in a big cave, but the only person that we've really seen that can just like bend earth seemingly from like any distance has been Boomy, mm-hmm. and Boomy's just insane. Yes. <laughs> um. He's he's reached like. Enter the void level of uh, of earth bending, like it, it, there's a certain insanity that you need in order to make that work. Yeah, and so they they hatch a quick plan where it's just Lynn is going to swing over, grab everybody, and then throw them across the chasm. To which Bo Lynn is going to catch them because, of course, Toph won't be able to see them while they're midair. Right. 
um, which <laughs> I just imagine, like, Bolin is probably character-wise the last one you want to be catching these people. I mean, he's reliable, but at the same time, he's this giant If they're going to make a Butterfingers joke, <laughs> yeah. it would be, yeah. Um, though, like, he also could just make stairs or something. I guess, but they... Their, their whole point is, like, there are guards on the other side of the door. If they make too much noise, they're going to come in, which yes. is exactly what happens when they decide <laughs> when they toss Batar Sr., yeah. who's apparently deathly afraid of heights. <laughs> and he just screams out loud, just bringing the cavalry down down on them. And yeah. the, but then what is after an admittedly awesome, uh, you know, double escape by both Lin and Sue, I just like that with, like, the cage... Um, just swinging like right up against the back wall, and mm-hmm. they just like ride it all the way down and just jump off. It's just like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's golf clap moment. Oh right yeah, <laughs> non sarcastic <laughs> applause. Non sarcastic <laughs> applause. But the alarms are triggered. Kuvira now knows that something. Kuvira now knows that something is up, and now she. And and so it's please jump into it. All right, sweet. (laughs) So then everyone's making their escape Uh, while uh, Lin, Suyin, and Toph make it up to the top. uh, They notice that Julie is being taken to the city, and Opal decides that she has to save her. Well, Bolin first decides that he has to save her. Yes, I am dumb. And then, and then Opal is just like, well, like. I have to help him because that there, there's he can't actually get away in time. Yeah. So they're they're going forward with the 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 testing the cannon fire, but they still have like everybody's on high alert. But that's when Batar Junior notices that his sister Opal is now out is now out in you know the the about to be exploded town. Yes. And. This is the first time that we've ever seen any kind of you know dissent from him, but he's he's automatically. Like well, he, shut down, right? We have to shut down. My sister's there. I mean, I think that like even though he is essentially the lapdog of this dictator, he still cares about his family to a certain degree. I mean, his mom and his his father, he's trying to get out of their shadows, so it's understandable that he would imprison them. But like his little sister, I think he cares a little bit more for. I think I think he wants the approval of his family. Like, like that's what he's that's what he's searching for. Like that's. When he got angry at his father, it was when his father told him that he was disappointed in him, and that just like set him off. So right. he's got some some weird, I guess, self esteem issues, like just built up from there. But yeah. yeah, so of course he doesn't want to see his sister die. But lo- I guess luckily enough for both him and uh, Opal and them, the the crew of Su, Su Lin Wing Wei and Toph, well Toph isn't involved in this, yeah, just managed to knock the cannon just a little bit to to send it off enough, target, yeah. you know, but, you know, so it misses the town and takes out a mountain. So <laughs> I, I felt like it kept going once it went through yeah, the mountain. It, it wasn't just like the mountain was gone. It was like there was a big hole now in the mountain. Yeah. So whatever was on the other side of the mountain is probably also not having a good day. <laughs> um, it's Cabbage Guy's Cabbages. <laughs> My Cabbages! That would have been the perfect moment to just have, <laughs> so, to just have like a far off. My Cabbages! That would have been great. Someone, someone, add that in. I want to make. I want that scene to be a thing. Um, but so, while this is going on, we also have the fight between Suyin and Kuvira, which was awesome. It was it was great to see kind of like their their two sided different styles. Like Kuvira, like the very very 
precise and methodical and Sue's like kind of the more like scrappy improvisationalist. Like she mm-hmm. is definitely like, she's definitely like go with the flow. Like, okay. It's like, as you know, it's like, okay, you're going to, you're going to throw knives at me. All right. I'm going to tear, I'm going to tear this off. I'm going to, I'm going to block it. Now I'm going to create my own body armor out of it. Yes. Like just like how quick on her feet Sue is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's to be expected. I mean, she teaches people how to metal bend. So, I mean, you would assume that she is good at kind of thinking on her feet. Whereas Kuvira, she is used to a lot of choreo. Like, we see when we first introduced to her, she's a dancer. Like, she's doing all these choreographed things. So, I imagine she really relies on her, like, military training and all the, like, found fundamentals that she's learned. Which it was, it was more than enough as well, as we just see. Like, Sue does get, um, the mighty boot off of you know our spirit ray cannon from Kuvira. So Kuvira does come out on top. It yeah. was a very close fight. I think that just comes down to um, age. Kuvira is just younger, and I think that they're that the it wasn't offset by Sue's skills, right? Skills and abilities. I mean, it also comes down to you know. Uh, Suyin's not the protagonist. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> also narrative, also the plot. The right. plot says that's not going to happen. Yeah, so. When all is looking its bleakest, so the the other Beifongs are surrounded by by other Earthbenders and the Mecha, and it's looking like there's no hope. And then who sweeps? Who just swoops in and saves the day? But Toph, yeah, creating a massive Earth wave, just knocking everybody down. The cavalry comes in with Juicy. The Beifongs climb on board, and then Toph gets to have that one good jab at Kuvira. It's like you give metal benders a bad name. Yeah. Um, I was cheering at that moment because it's true. It really is. I I expected a little bit more of a reaction from uh, Kuvira, like upon seeing Toph, because maybe this isn't the first time she's ever met her. I would, I mean, it's the first time we ever see that she met her. But I guess right. if she grew up her whole life in Zalfu and was yeah. Sue's like kind of protege, there, there's a good chance that she met Toph at one point. I would imagine so. I mean, and plus, like, I think at this point, Kuvira, like, fancies herself more powerful. Like, she's like, I'm the next generation. So seeing someone like Toph, where it's like, she's a, she's a faint mist. Er, she's not a mystery. fossil. Yeah, she's a fossil. Yeah. Thank you. And so the Beifongs get away, and they're all going to head to Republic City, but Toph is going to head back to the swamp, because as she said, you know, it's like, a, at some point, you have to let the kids handle this, and my back is killing me. <laughs> right. Which, you know, it's kind of like the point that, uh, you know, I guess a lot of people really do need to realize that, like, yeah, the old Avatar team is still alive and kicking, but this isn't their show anymore. Yeah. You know, and then nothing kind of, like, submitted that home with just, like, what, you know, Toph had said at that moment. Yeah. Um, like, she gave her shout-out to uh, Katara not getting involved in the Civil War and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, uh it kind of harkens back to what she was talking about earlier when she's like, there will always be criminals. There will always be people trying to do evil. But, I mean, you can't always keep coming back and you're essentially trying to play the hero. Yeah. Everyone has to deal with their problems as they come. Yeah. And Bolin, of course, and Opal are now officially made up. But, you know, I'm guessing, you know what? I, it does seem kind of like... Yeah, you know, they're doing this for plot's sake, but also at the same time, you know what? He need he, this is his win. Let him have his win. Right. Let's continue on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like with when the way she kind of said it, you got the the feeling that she wasn't. She was temporarily mad at him, like mm-hmm. and like 
you know, it's like if a couple has a fight and someone sleeps on the couch. He was just sleeping on the couch. Now he can come back to bed. That's true. Weird. Yes, but... <laughs> and shifting gears, so the the most of the time we've been focusing on um, this Beifong story, which has been the, the central focus of the episode, but going on a good sea story that's happening is so back in Republic City, President, you know, we see what uh, Varric and um, Asami have cooked up, which is basically uh, flying Mecca. <laughs> Um, yes. Which, speaking of um, the the Gustav cannon, which was an impressive looking cannon uh, that was built by the Nazis, but you know why they never got to use it? Why? Because the Allies were just like, oh wait, we have planes <laughs> yeah. that are well out of its range and can drop bombs. Seems a little more effective. Yeah. So I'm I I would think that that would be the de- the decision maker in all of this, but then you also have to remember that they can metal bend. Right. And uh, that can probably make all, that's going to make all the difference in this upcoming fight. Mm-hmm. But we also see Raiko is just as bloodthirsty in a lot of ways as Kubira because he was like insisting that there be a spirit ray on these mecha. And surprisingly, both Varric, well, Varric surprisingly, I guess you could say surprisingly, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying, surprisingly, says no. And so does Korra, which is not surprisingly, but yes. they're both refusing to use this technology but Korra puts up the good point of well the spirits are now living in Republic City maybe they can act as a counter to this yeah and and since I'm the avatar maybe I can can talk them into it and then Prince Wu out of left field comes up with the one good idea he's he's had this entire series yes well he got he had his moment didn't last long but you know, he suggested that uh, while they're trying to get the the spirits on their side, they evacuate the city because everyone's in danger. danger. Yeah, it's f- from the you know Death Star cannon. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then Mako, you know, t- t- you know, once they're outside, Mako's just like, "Wow, you've actually come along." And he goes, "I know." And if Korra actually buys that, maybe I'll get a good chance to date her. <laughs> and then Mako's like, "You always just have to ruin it, don't you? Like every time." Yep. And but then like. You know, in in a weird parallel, in a weird parallel, though, like you know, uh, Wu is saying that the only reason, like, why men do anything is just for the women. Mm-hmm. You know, which you know you think is like, oh, that's shallow and stupid. But in a lot of ways, that's all Bolin was doing in this episode. He was doing it for his lady friend. Right. I mean, he would have done it anyway. Yeah. But it's it's I guess it's just kind of like the the contrast of it, like, and which is going to be another contrast when. Korra tries to convince the spirits to help her, but they're like, you're no different than Kuvira. You just want to use spirit energy in a human war. Right. But we're also seeing that, like, you know, yeah, you can have the same ends, but if you have the different intentions or the different means, that does make all the difference yeah. sometimes. That's true. Um, I Before the... Uh... Before we started, we were talking about the parallels and who was America in this. And I would say now that we've spoken that I think um, that I think the spirits are America. Um, and ultimately, in this... No, I, yeah, but before we were on the show, we were just like, okay, so obviously the Earth Empire is Nazi Germany. Yes. Um, I guess then uh, the United Republic could be either France or England. Mm-hmm. Well, the Fire Nation is like staying out of it unless they get openly aggressive, so they're England. Right. And then I guess that makes the United Republic France. Okay. And so, yeah, that would make the spirits America in this World War II. You know, so. okay. We can assume that they're going to swoop in at the end. Well, yeah, like, well, like that, like that one, like dragon spirit had said to Korra, it's just like you're just trying to use spirit power, 
you know, to fight human wars. We do not get involved in human wars. I like I understand where he's coming from, but also yeah. at the same time, you live here now. <laughs> This is your home. You're not like the spirits are leaving the spirit world. It's like that's your home. You can't just go. Well, guys, ship is sinking. Let's get out of here. Right. Like, you know, I, I understand where where the spirit's coming from, but also at the same time, it's like, no, dude. Yeah, you're still a part of the like. You can't just turn your back and assume that things are just going to go away. That oh, these are human problems. Yeah. Like, well, you're living in the human world. <laughs> Though I mean, they do have a whole another realm of existence to to uh, like. To retreat inhabit. to, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even if the world were destroyed by or taken over by Kuvira, they're not really affected by it. It doesn't affect them unless Kuvira starts going mainstream on her harnessing of spirits. It's reminiscent of the elves in The Lord of the Rings. Yes! yes. Nice. Uh, we got Sean over there yeah. dropping the great references. So, now, not o- so not only do we have a World War II... Um, what is the par not parable? What is it? Analogy or it's, uh, it's allegory? Allegory. Yes. We have the World War II allegory, but then we also have a series that could potentially be a World War II allegory. Allegory. Yes. We're we're inceptioning the allegories <laughs> in all of this. So meta. But so as we see, Korra basically strike out with the spirits. I mean that that ends that more or less like ends the episode we don't know like are the spirits gonna is she gonna be able to reach out to them and that's obviously set up for in the future episodes and i do think that the spirits are going to come in to to defend like their their new home i think that's going to be you know that's going to be the eagle swooping in right uh, the battle of the black gate yes yeah um i dig it uh cool uh should we move into predictions or are we good I think I, I think I think we're I think we're good. I, the, the, we see the um, there was the pre- we did see there's a little bit of a clip from uh, next episode. I don't know if you watched it, but it's you know Kuvira basically parroting oddly enough with the Earth Queen had said that the United the land the, that was that is the United Republic um, was stolen from the Earth Empire, and it's by right that they get it back. So that's a nice little full circle on all of that. Yeah. We traded one, you know, one dictator for another. But we also see a strangely um, sentimental scene, because we've never seen, like, apparently Batar Jr. and Kuvira are a couple, but we haven't ever seen them coupley. And then we get this one moment where we see them, like, as, like, a couple, where yeah. they, you know, embrace, and they're excited about the fact that they're going to get married, which I think that... In the terms of their relationship, like, Kuvira, I think they started off very much equal and in love, and now it's just become, he is kind of creepy obsessed with her. Yeah. And she is just, like, (laughs) distant, but there's still, I mean, there's still something there, I guess we can say. I imagine so. I mean, though, it, like, it... Not scares me, but we know based on last season what happens when two ne- like negative characters show love towards each other. One of them has to die, and it's going to be Batar Junior. Probably, you know that's how this is going to end. Well, on that note of murder, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that'll wrap us up for this week. Where can they find you, Mister Miller? You can find me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T A U R I J A Y, and also here on After Buzz on Assorted Panels, like. The Sword Art Online panel and the Flash panel. And I'm John Quick. You can find me on Twitter at, at NowQuick. And uh, don't forget to um, 
comment on YouTube and also iTunes and five stars. We love hearing from you guys, and it lets our bosses know that we're doing a good job. Yeah. And if you think we're not doing a good job, well, this is also your opportunity to tell us that. <laughs> so take advantage. We'll see you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.